what's up everyone and a happy new year to one and all uh welcome to episode 47 of the justin insight podcast uh, i've been doing this for nearly a year now but i am still tim batbeck i am still a writer i am a lover of films music and wrestling but i'm still most importantly of all your body and vehicle through this podcast uh i hope everyone had a really great festive period um i did spend it mostly with with family and, and friends which was rad uh as always at way too much and my stomach is is not very happy with me right now um but i didn't get as as long as i would have liked to have enjoyed the festive period because unfortunately i was straight back at work on wednesday which was a bit of a bummer but um yeah still got to to hang out with some of my my friends down here in portsmouth which was which was loads of fun and obviously family as always was 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 really wicked um apart from the festivities haven't really done a whole bunch since we last spoke on the last episode um, though I did go to Progress Wrestling's unboxing live event on this past Saturday, uh, which has kind of become their annual end of year show where uh, the whole card is a mystery, like you don't know who's on it. So that was a really good show. Um, some really nice surprises, some really nice returns. Uh, if you're into Progress or unaware of them, unboxing's a good sort of jump in point. So um, go check them out. All their stuff's on their demand service. I think it's demand progress dot com maybe i'm not sure but google it you can find it um but yeah that was really cool but that kind of nicely leads me into into this week's episode as well so um last week we uh well no sorry not last week on the last episode uh we spoke about mine and my brother's favorite records of 2017 so i thought i'd do a similar sort of thing with my other passion which is obviously being wrestling um and we discussed my top five matches of the year um Rather than me just sort of talking to myself, uh, I was joined by Justin Insight regular Maz Gambadella to give his opinion on what his top five ma- five, uh, top five matches were. Um, so yeah, it was really cool to to kind of see what our opinions were throughout the year, what what was good about wrestling, what wasn't so good about wrestling. Um, and as always, if if you think that there's crucial matches that we've missed off of our respective lists then hit us up on twitter and let us know what you think um give us a follow at just underscore and underscore insight uh use the hashtag jai pod and i will flag it up we'll have a little conversation talk about wrestling i can talk about wrestling to anyone for hours um but yeah i'm going to stop babbling now and go straight into the episode so here is me and maz discussing 2017's awesome wrestling matches So uh, we are now at the end of 2017. We've had lots of lots of highs, lots of lows. Uh, as with my other love in music, there's been loads of really cool wrestling this year. Um, and I thought I'd go go back, have a little look, and see what I thought were my top five wrestling matches of the year. And rather than me sit here doing it on my own, um, I'd have one of our Justin Insight wrestling roundtable regulars join me uh, so i'm joined by maz gambadella maz thank you for joining me and discussing your your top five lists with me yeah that's quite all right tim um so yeah as, as i mentioned had sort of I, I know obviously when we do the the roundtables we predominantly talk about wwe and as with any wwe product there's 
there's highs, there's lows, but I think all round 2017 has been a, a pretty cracking year for, for wrestling in general, just some of the stuff that's happened this year, like with crossover with indies and people being called up to WWE. So before we get into to our lists, has there been any kind of standout sort of moment for you in wrestling? Um, what, in just in regards to just like what's been going on this yeah, year? Yeah, just like some of the cool stuff that's been, been happening, really. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's been crazy how um, how large kind of wrestling outside of WWE is getting, uh, especially with like the news that's happening with New, J- New Japan, Wrestle Kingdom next year, and like how they're kind of dominating. Um, you know, they're trying to get into the US market and like Indies getting a lot bigger as well. And, um, you know, just the fact that WWE are just putting more of a more of a spotlight on more independent wrestlers like they've done quite a few tournaments this year obviously uh so it's great to see like uh loads of independent wrestlers in a lot of the wwe tournaments so uh, it's it's just been a really it's just been a really fun year i mean obviously there were quite a few lows (laughs) yeah storyline aspect um actually if if i could choose one thing that was probably the best storyline of the year um, actually, that's two. So, like, one of them was definitely the uh, Fessel friendship was the best yeah. thing I think I ever saw this year. That was unbelievable. I loved it. And uh, the other one was uh, the Tommaso Ciampa Gargano. Yeah, turn. yeah, was that amazing. was that was spot on. And I think that's the thing. As much as people criticize WWE, when they get it right, they get it fucking right, sort of thing. So, yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, that's that's kind of kudos to them i think like you hit the nail on the head Fe- uh, festival of friendship was brilliant like the timing of it was was fantastic um mm. for me a massive thing has been just kind of seeing the growth of the the uk guys but in particular pete dunn like he is if he is not full-time wwe next year then there is an injustice in in the world but he's yeah. he's really built that that bruiserweight character but even seeing sort of like companies like uh, Attack and Fight Club Pro over here in in the UK, obviously just kind of going bigger and bigger and pushing their brand has just been amazing. Like I think Attack announced their first three shows for for 2018 yesterday, which well, we're technically Friday, so Thursday. This will go out on Tuesday, so that's that messes up the whole timeline. Um, mm. But yeah, I think two of the three are already sold out within the day, kind of thing. So it shows how how big that is within the space of a year. They've gone from being like a known name to like a name that everyone wants to go to their shows, kind of thing. So yeah, it's been a really cool year for wrestling. Yeah, definitely, I'd agree with that. Right. So yeah, as as mentioned, we're going to go discuss our our top five matches of the year. I think. Judging from some of the lists I've I've seen floating around already, there's common consensus on on a lot of them. But um, so I think there there might be some some similarities in our lists. But we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm going to kick things off, uh, and at my number five uh, is the Usos and the New Day at Hell in the Cell pay per view. Uh, it's the first ever tag team match inside inside of a cell. Um, I think out of all the matches that that 
these two teams had throughout the year this was sort of peak for them like it was almost kind of like Vince had gone look I know you guys can put on an absolute barnstormer I'm going to take off the leash you guys just have at it and they went hell for leather uh there was points where they were just doing things that they shouldn't have been doing like it literally looked like they were going to break themselves especially Big E doing his ridiculous suicide dive into the side of the cell which I think he like headbutted one of the steel pillars yeah that did not look comfortable but apart from that like just general like clever little spots that they did like the the kendo stick like prison that um Xavier Woods put one of the Usos in then t- uh handcuffing Woods to the to the ring post introducing obviously the trombone and the cowbell for New Day and I think for obviously we've seen in the news this this past week that uh the Miz was obviously named wrestler of the year but for me personally the Usos have been hands down the best team of the year and like they've shown this year take away all the face paint that they had they're still incredible wrestlers so yeah that's my that's my number five yeah i mean like i i had that on my list unfortunately it was my number six uh, <laughs> that, that one um i i recently watched this match for the first time and uh, uh i had a lot of people um tell me like it was on their sort of match of the year candidates so i decided to watch it and i think you're right with the usos i think that they've had a tremendous year this year with the amount of like the 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 level of matches that they've had this year been phenomenal um i found it quite interesting how long they gave these two for i mean this was the first match of the pay-per-view yes it was yeah so it was quite a long match to open with but i think it just shows how um how captivating the actual match was because i'll be honest i thought it was a little bit longer than it needed to but there wasn't any points in the match where i was like oh, i'm bored of this i'll yeah you know stop watching it you know what i mean they 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 told a really great story you know the new you, the new day showed a really like dominant serious side to them uh the usos you know kept their own they had loads of like really interesting spots like uh like you say like uh trapping one of the usos in the cat in the hell in the cell and um think um xavier woods being like uh handcuffed and put on the ring post stuff like that so yeah it was it was uh, wow it was unbelievable i wouldn't expect these two teams to have such a insane match like this no and i think the the thing that kind of bought it for me is that you as you kind of mentioned obviously new day were kind of showed a different side to themselves in this match and I think the fact that it was two tag teams, there was always constantly something going on. Whereas, as you say, I think this match ended up going for maybe sort of like twenty, nearly twenty-five minute mark, sort of thing. Yeah. And um, but because there was four people in that cell, there was constantly something happening. Whereas, when you have a one-on-one Hell in a Cell match, obviously they need to build up to what they're going to be doing. But obviously, if the camera's focused on two of the guys the other two can be elsewhere setting up what the next big spot's going to be so i think that worked really well mm. but yeah so let's what was your number five uh my number five was um from 
uh, Ultima Lucha Trez, which is uh, Lucha Underground's like WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how familiar you are with. Um, I'm, Lucha no, I'm, I'm very, very up with it, Lucha Underground. Because there's two, two matches that were would have potentially made my list, but will make my honourable mentions later on. <laughs> oh well, you could probably comment on this match I'm going to bring up. Um, it was uh, Killshot versus Dante Fox in the the three stages of hell, yeah. whatever they called it. I mean, um, I haven't been watching Lucha Underground for a long time, so this was their final series, and you know the way that they. I mean, this match was abs- from not knowing anything going into it. I there were so many times where I was like physically reacting to spots in this match. Yeah, and I mean, you know, for spoiler alert, what you know, if you're not into like insane hardcore wrestling it's probably not your thing at all <laughs> yeah. but the two guys in it um Killshot who's um Shane Strickland and uh, AR Fox who's Dante Fox they wrestled for over an hour like there wasn't any psychology involved which it doesn't really matter in these kind of matches but some of the spots that they went through just were just I've never seen any, it was like a spectacle yeah like, uh, it was just um it, if i could re- if i could relate it to anything like wwe like the only thing i could relate it to is um mankind and undertaker in hell in a cell probably yeah um, just, it just being absolute chaos um one spot in particular which actually made me gasp out was like, <laughs> um they uh he uh, i think killshot backflipped um Dante Fox onto so basically it was three um, it's three stages of hell basically so the first match is a first blood match brilliant second match is like a no DQ match and then the third is like a stretcher match uh, so the second part of the match I mean bear in mind they've already there he gets backdropped onto like a gurney and you can literally see a piece of his flesh oh yeah i forgot about that the gurney. I, it was unbelievable I, I probably wouldn't watch this again but <laughs> yeah because of how much they put into it how much they were so dedicated to this match um it, it had to be on my top 10 list it was just i've never seen anything like yeah. it yeah well, I think as a bit of a precursor, this this year for some reason I've kind of delved into to death matches a little bit purely oh, really? purely off the back of knowing that Jimmy Havoc was going to be in Tournament of Death this year. Yeah. So I actively seeked it out and watched it, and mm. there's bits in that that I was sort of like, what kind of like yeah. reaching. Because I'm the same. Like I am not like I don't watch any CCW. I don't watch any of you know that kind of gore hardcore wrestling at all. Uh, Lucha Underground is probably a good way if you want to get into it. Yeah. Probably a good way to get into that kind of. Because if you just watch CCW like right off the bat, you'll be thinking, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Like this, I think this is kind. If you were interested in that element of of cider wrestling like this is i think this is the perfect match to kind of go into because it does it kind of gives you a bit of the backstory as to why these two are in this situation so there's the story yeah. element of it rather than it just being two guys beating the living shit out of each other um i disagree with you a little bit when you said about there's not much psychology because i think 
I don't know how familiar you were with the whole backstory leading up to this match, but there was parts of it that kind of linked back to that. So I thought that was quite clever. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, obviously you say like the first blood sort of being the first fall, I think you hardly ever, unless you kind of actively seek out those kind of matches, you'd barely see those kind of things on mainstream telly. And obviously I know over here, Lucha Underground isn't on a mainstream channel, but in America it is. And obviously it's now on Netflix in America as well. So it's very easily accessible. Um, Yeah. Well, when I say uh, no psychology, I mean, what I mean by that is the way that they edit. So for people that don't know Lucha Underground, it's it's an actual like TV show. So it's not like live. So there's a lot of edits and cuts. Right. So you, you wouldn't necessarily be watching. So, when I say no psychology, you don't see much of their selling because they are like... Right, oh, I'm with boom, you now. Boom. Yeah, you see what I mean? Whereas it's like, if you watch WWE, like you can see the wrestlers like selling moves and like telling more of a sort of a laid out story. Whereas this was like, there was a, there was obviously a story and I, I did understand that going into it because um, um, Vampiro and um, uh, what's his face? Matt Stryker. Yeah, Mike Stryker, they definitely established what the storyline was, which was really helpful for me, especially. Uh, but yeah, it was like, oh, he's just gone through a glass. Of- oh, right, okay, now we're on the turnbuckle. Okay, here we go, Bubba. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. But regardless of that, it was still... I, I, I've never seen anything like it. It was unbelievable. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, because this was... This was one going to be one of my honourable mentions. Mm. So I, I absolutely loved this match. Like, Shane Strickland aka Killshot is one of my favourite wrestlers like I think he's phenomenal Um, like he can do high flying he can do sort of hardcore stuff he's just a really good all rounder Um, but he was actually because the reason I didn't want to involve this match was because he was involved in another match in Lucha Underground which I thought was going to be my other honourable mention but I'll quickly mention it now Uh, he did a, a match with Jeremiah Crane which is um, Sammy Callahan, and that was a Weapons of Mass Destruction match, which was basically another kind of deathmatch format, and it was it was just insane. Like it was kind of like this, but not on the same level. But again, just absolute carnage. So that was why I thought, but like I couldn't choose one because in both, Killshot was just the the standout performer, and I, I up until this point I hadn't seen him in in that kind of situation i'd just seen him as a high flyer and a good wrestler but to see him literally put his body on the line and then because the way that lucha underground's films they don't have that much of a rest so obviously at the end of lucha underground trez him and uh, spoilers if you haven't seen it but him and ar fox come back as a team and you can still clearly see all the wounds that both of them have got. But obviously the way that the program's edited, you think it's like four weeks later, but it's not. It's literally like an hour and they've just kind oh, of taped themselves God. up. So it's, it's horrible. Like I, just, I, I get, like I said, I've never seen anything like the amount of, like the amount of shit that they go through, just <laughs> yeah. even in this one match, it's like an hour long as well. Oh, it's yeah. Uh, also, actually, a funny note uh, which I didn't realise was the live band that played was uh, Mariachi. Actually, LeBronx, Bronx. yeah. Love that, love that. 
But um, we'll stick with you, Maz. So we'll go with we'll go with number four. Okay. Uh, so uh, my number four is um, uh, Kenny Omega versus Tomohiro Ishii from the G1 Special this year. Right. Uh, which was the final, I believe, of the United States uh, title tournament that they did out there. Um, oh, I, Ishii is... Um, I love him so much. <laughs> yeah. He is such a, like... For people who don't know what he... He basically looks like a pit bull dog. And the the story going into this is like... It doesn't matter how much torture he puts Ishii through. Like, he just wants more and more. And that's kind of his whole shtick as a character is like he just takes so much like he just takes so much punishment and the amount of stuff that they did in this match was just it was just, it blew me away i loved it um i could watch kenny omega wrestle all the time and ishii uh is one of my favorites from new japan um and uh, yeah it was just just it was just unbelievable just the amount of torture they put each other through I loved it. Uh, I agree with with you about Ishii because I think this year has been, has been a year that I've kind of actively followed New Japan a lot more. Like, right. whereas previous years I'd kind of watch Wrestle Kingdom, watch parts That's of part yeah. watch, watch parts of the G One, and sort of that was kind of about it. Whereas this year I've I've tried to kind of keep on top of like all their big shows as much as possible. Yeah. And prior to kind of this year, my sort of recollection of Ishii was that he was kind of one of the older guard that was still because obviously New Japan loved their multi-man matches, so he was one of the people that was always chucked in there to kind of put over the the new talent sort of thing. But then this year, I saw I've saw him obviously a lot more regularly, and that is definitely not the case like he's got to be pushing sort of mid 40s age wise yet he still hits like anything and takes hits like anything like him and shibata had a match which was just oh my the, god the two match. the two of them headbutting each other which was oh. so uncomfortable but at the same time probably one of the best things i've ever seen but yes so i just to to say something about that like i was very much because i watched that same match with shibata was it uh wrestle kingdom 10 was it that one uh, uh i think it was new year's dash i, I could oh, be okay. wrong but yeah well anyway i was because i was like very much like i'd never seen shibata like ever and i think i saw him at wrestle kingdom 10 or 9 and the amount like it's just horrible watching some of the stuff that he does and like in one mind i'm like oh this is really cool but then on the other side i'm like you stop trying to hurt everyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's wrestling at the end of day but regardless of that like um it, the, the other thing with ishii that i didn't really realize is how fast he is yeah like, he could go like him bouncing off the ropes with omega like he's obviously a very fast wrestler but like ishii can fucking go like he's so quick and like his move set is amazing and he's just like built like a shit brick house (laughs) but um we'll get we'll stick with with new japan for for my number four and it involves it involves a member of that you've just mentioned um might be a bit controversial in in this choice but uh it's kenny omega versus uh okada but the second match from domination 
Um, kind of similar for reason why you chose the the Shane Strick, uh, sorry, kill shot and Dante Fox match was this was an hour draw and it was something that I'd personally never seen like in a live match before. Like I'd heard matches and obviously gone back and looked at some of the older matches where time limit draws were a, a lot more regular and especially in sort of Iron Man matches that was a lot more of a of a common thing. But obviously in in Japan they they at the beginning of every match they announce how long the time limit is and as a general wrestling fan you just kind of think oh okay when they sort of approach that time limit it's going to get to the finish but this just didn't and it ended with them both completely gassed completely exhausted um obviously the first match they had at wrestle kingdom this year obviously blew up the internet and everyone absolutely loved it obviously there was the whole thing with Dave Meltzer giving it six stars and all that, but for for me the the psychology of this one was a lot better. They the one spot that will always stick with me is when Okada went to go for the Rainmaker and but perfectly timed, Omega just fell to his knees out of exhaustion. But the timing of it is just I've never seen anything like that in a wrestling match. Like, he misses his head by inches, and it's just... Like, he doesn't duck his head or anything. It's just the pure perfection of him dropping to his knees. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's like, out of the trilogy, that's why I, I liked this match the most, because I think the way that everything was built around certain moves... Like, the whole series was obviously built around Kenny hitting the one-winged angel, but to the same extent, it was the fact that Okada couldn't put Omega away with just one Rainmaker yeah. and th this match summed that up perfectly for me so that's why it's in my number four it's uh I think they've had a great trilogy of matches and I think not only Ken Omega but since I started watching Okada in uh so the first time I ever watched New Japan was Wrestle Kingdom 9 I think yeah. which was the year that um uh Nakamura for um Oh, what's his name? He was in the Cruiserweight Classic. Um, oh, um, Kota Ibushi. Ibushi, yeah. So it was that year, was my first year. And when I watched Okada for the first time, I, I I, was blown away. I cannot believe how good of a wrestler he is. He is so great at selling, telling a story. Just his offense is unbelievable. And the fact that... I, I'm not surprised that him and Omega have had such a great trilogy of matches, but when you bring up uh, that second match that they did uh, where they wrestled for an hour, the the pace of the match didn't slow down at any point. No. Like, it was just boom, 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 boom for 60 minutes. And I think, you know, that's that's kind of started... Not started, but, like, it's kind of perpetuated Omega's career now as like a guy that has five star matches constantly because he has such good cardio as well as uh, Okada obviously that they can do that yeah and um, I I've just been absolutely blown away by uh, both of them really like all three of their matches have been unbelievable yeah and I think like you mentioned obviously the the level of skill that Okada has like I can't I think it probably was the same year that. I first saw him because I think Wrestle Kingdom 9 was the first one that I properly watched and um, yeah. 
just the fact that the guy can make a drop kick look so lethal is just insane that that yeah a, a move that is used so commonly now he is kind of taken ownership of is just that's yeah. i think that speaks speaks volumes of him and i think this year in general not just okada or omega but new japan is kind of we mentioned obviously at the beginning that they're obviously trying to break into that american market but they've kind of really hit their hit their stride with what they want to do going into the future and obviously picking up where sort of the internet darlings know that that they want to see new japan on a, on a more regular basis so they've kind of worked their schedule around that and are doing bigger shows more often whereas before i think they did obviously wrestle kingdom new year's dash and then there was a massive gap until domination whereas now they're kind of interspersing little shows in between that so they're making a bit more of an effort to to get their brand out yeah it's it's gonna be a weird next year's gonna be a very interesting year for omega because i am i've uh i've been seeing online all these like rumors of like yeah jericho is only there to bring him into w yeah WrestleMania match, which I could that I mean that could happen. I mean I don't know obviously it's contract or anything, but like that would be fucking insane if Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho have a WrestleMania match. But like Omega really is their their kind of not meal ticket, but like their kind of go golden goose to get into that American market. Yeah. And since I think since I started, which was like Wrestle Kingdom Nine, like you've just seen more and more Americans. Uh, and like foreign um, foreigners go over to see Wrestle Kingdom as well. Yeah. Um, like you know, it's just insane how it's just a it's just a nice refreshing uh, twist on like a different type of wrestling which you're not used to in America. I don't think. Yeah. And it's just like it's so different to what you'd see. Like even with the crowd, where it's just very. It's so focused on the wrestling rather than, you know, whatever the spectacle may be. You know? Yeah, like the high spots and and whatnot. Yeah. But um, if we stick with a, a different type of wrestling that hasn't necessarily been seen in in America, but was in America, my number three uh, yeah. is uh, Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate, uh, NXT TakeOver Chicago. Um, Tim, mate. That's my number three as well. <laughs> well, we'll we'll discuss it together then. Um, brilliant. I th- it was absolutely brilliant. Obviously, Pete Dunne. I think we obviously I mentioned at the beginning of the show is probably one of the breakout stars in wrestling. Full stop. This year, um, he's also probably one of the people that I've seen wrestle the most this year, just purely because for going to shows around the UK kind of thing. Um, but the fact that because my when I when this match was sort of announced, my concern was I've seen these guys wrestle before in sort of various venues around the UK, either against each other or as part of British Strong Style. So my concern going in was, are they going to be able to deliver on a bigger stage, or is it just going to be a Pete and Tyler match? And I was completely wrong. They did obviously they, there was elements of that, but they just amped it up by a thousand um the spots were perfect like there was a few sort of little niggle bits but i think obviously this is the first time either of them have been on that bigger stage so there was bound to be 
but as cheesy as it sounds like watching this match kind of made you feel proud that they were British wrestlers mm. getting that reaction out of a crowd and there was the, I think the ending was perfect because obviously in the original uh, UK tournament obviously Tyler went over with the Tyler driver and there's this time round Pete hit, hit finally hitting the bitter end it was really good but there's mm. what there's one bit which was really kind of if you out of the whole match is quite minuscule but for me I think it was just per, like perfect Pete done there was a bit where Tyler came off the second rope and Pete just ran up and forearmed him and just went have it and mm. it was just just yeah. absolutely perfect so yeah that was that was my take of it yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I think when I think we we actually probably reviewed this takeover. We did, we? yeah, we did. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of the stuff I'm gonna say is probably stuff that I've already <laughs> said anyway. But like, um, I feel like they were trying to prove a point here. Yeah. You know? Uh, I they probably thought that they were gonna go in very cold. Like, okay, these this American crowd, they're probably gonna not know you guys very well. So you're going to have to prove yourselves. And, I mean, I've never seen a crowd pop so huge for an aeroplane spin spot in my entire <laughs> yeah. life. It was just, uh, I mean, it's an aeroplane spin, for Christ's sake. It's like, it's not even, yeah. But, like, I mean, these guys, I mean, I don't know their backgrounds particularly well, but I imagine they've wrest- they probably wrestled each other a lot back, you know, back in the UK. Yeah. And... Pete Dunne will be one of my MVPs of this year because I think they found gold in him as far as like such a great uh, character. You know, he's got the he's got he's got such a good character. You know, he's got the facial expressions like he you want to see him get the shit kicked out of him, but also you kind of like him as well. Yeah, yeah. He's he's very like he's kind of like a cool heel in a in a weird way but like his offense is brilliant he's he reminds me a lot of fit finley uh in like his like just the finger manipulation and just how like like horrendous his offense is to his opponent um you know by the end of it the false finishes i think they really got the crowd of all those false finishes like so many huge but like uh moves at the end of it you know just like I actually, there was a spot that I completely forgot about when we first reviewed it, but I think uh, Dunn throws bait against the ropes and he does the uh, Matt Cross yeah. uh, bump off the rope. You know, the one where he like grabs the rope with his neck? With his shoulders, yeah. And he does the lariat. Oh my God. It was just, I, I mean, they really did show that that style of wrestling or UK wrestling, I guess, can just get over anywhere. Yeah, and I think, like, I'm not sure if you saw it, but when uh, they did the the latest UK tour, um, Pete obviously made a, an appearance on the Raw. And obviously, I know it was in Manchester, but he the pop he got was ridiculous. And really? just because he went up against Enzo and... Just, oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I think like him just that. I think that just shows like the caliber that because I think he's only twenty three, twenty four, but he's already that good. So he's just 
like the sky's the limit kind of thing in in my opinion yeah. and i think the the comparison with fit finley isn't that i don't think this you're the first person to say that and it's very kind of clear like where he takes his influences from and if he does get given the full-time contract having someone like finley and regal in nxt to learn from he's he's going to be like the next big british star easily you know what i will say though like as much as i am praising uh dun and bait i will say that i think they will be diminished based on their side like then i don't think as much as i'd love them to because i think they're very capable of it i feel like they'll probably get the guerrero benoit treatment in wwe like they'll they'll be seen as like really good but they maybe won't necessarily get like the wwe championship level of attention just based on their size yeah i can i can see that like tyler especially well saying that he's small i think i'm taller than tyler yeah but the weird thing is like despite he's small he's really stocky whereas pete is more is taller but slender if that makes more sense so I i don't know well We'll have to kind of wait and see what their their plans are because obviously there was. Uh, I'm not. Sh- Do you follow progress much at all? I don't know. Okay, so when Travis won the belt off Pete at their at uh, Progress's big Ali Pali show, the next like chapter show that they did, like all of British Strong Style just came out as faces basically, mm. um, and it was almost kind of like a goodbye. But they've still kind of appeared sporadically, so it's still kind of up in the air whether they are going full time and if they're gonna push this this UK thing because they've got a belt, they need to do something with it. So I think yeah, I think 2018 is gonna be a very interesting year for for both Pete and Tyler. Uh, well, I also think that they will probably be on the same contracts until they've definitely confirmed this new UK uh, TV show that they're doing, whatever it's called. Because I think the way that their their contracts work now, they're almost like done bait uh, seven. They're all like advertisements for the UK stint of this yeah. WWE venture. So it doesn't make sense for them to just be WWE fully contracted guys. If they're still able to do indies and stuff in the UK, it means WWE can get more promotion just through them being there. Yeah. Especially with done having the title as well. Yeah, no, I I can see that. But um as as it was a tie on that one, we'll go with we'll go to you for number two, Maz. My number two I mean I love this match so much. It is probably my favourite W. It is actually my favourite WWE match this year. And it was uh, Oz versus John Cena at Royal Rumble this year. Right. Um, I love. I could love this. I love this match so much. Um, I. I mean, it's. It had like a big fight feel. Uh, it's. It. It kind of proved that. Styles can be a main eventer, and he is a main eventer. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. It just had this match had everything for me. Like it had a great story going into it because uh, Styles. Uh, I think 
he was basically playing heel here as far as like you know what it reminded me of actually it reminded me very much of the Cena Punk match from Money in the Bank yeah Um, yeah I get that whereas you know Styles came in as the underdog uh, heel character and uh, Cena really stepped up in this match like he was absolutely brilliant Uh, obviously you know the crowd in attendance obviously gave him the Cena sucks chant but it just added more heat to the match the the false finishes at the end were amazing Cena kind of turning heel at the end was really cool as well there was just so many spots in this you know I mean you got a ca- uh, Canadian destroyer from Cena for, in this match and just so many false finishes um, yeah I absolutely love this match yeah I think this is one that the kind of I, I, really, I did really enjoy it, but just uh, it wasn't enough to quite make my my top five. Like the the fact that this was, I think it was because obviously this was shortly after Wrestle Kingdom, because obviously the year starts with Wrestle Kingdom and then the Royal Rumble in terms of sort of the big events. Yeah. So a lot of people were kind of seeing, oh well, it's not going to be as good as Wrestle Kingdom. So I, fo- I kind of felt that. The, both these guys were like, "Look, we need to to pull our fingers out and put on the best match that we can." And uh, both of them delivered. Obviously, Cena gets a lot of lot of stick for for what he is, and I think, especially in his last couple of appearances, I think in a in a sense deservedly so. But this was this was prime Cena, as you say, him whipping out the Canadian destroyer was nuts like it's something I never yeah. expected to see him do um, and yeah I, th- I think you're right making the comparison to kind of the Cena Punk match in, which is something I never really thought of because Styles was the heel going in in terms of storyline but because he's quote unquote an indie darling and the fans n- know he's incredible or phenomenal um, yeah. that the, they're always going to be on his side and obviously Cena is the perfect person to split a crowd so I think it had everything that it needed in terms of getting a crowd reaction and then mm. the wrestling on top was just, just the kind of the, the icing on the cake kind of thing Yeah, no, I agree and I think it also shows that because like, I am a big fan of Cena I think Cena is an amazing <laughs> promo he can, he can dish out good matches when he can and even in this match, at the end of it, um, like the other thing that I have taken into consideration with a lot of the um, uh, matches I've chosen are matches that have a huge like reaction, huge fight feel. Yeah. And this one, like by the end of it, it doesn't matter who won. Won. <laughs> who won at the end? Who won at the end? It, it was just a case of like people were so invested in the match as a whole and yeah. it just proved like I will go and say this like AJ Styles for me is probably my MVP of this year yeah. I think with a lot of the matches that I've chosen he has been in the majority of them I mean, yeah. granted it's uh, my top 5 but within other matches that I've chosen as matches that I really like this year he has gone above and beyond in regards to match quality big match feel just um just everything and for me it just proves that he's probably the best wrestler in the world yeah and i think like 
for a guy that's pushing for is he 40 now uh not yet. i don't know not yet he's nearly 40 now. yeah but to still be doing the stuff that he can he can do like his yeah his sort of cardio and physique and everything is just still completely incredible and yeah like for him to come into the wwe so late in his his career and instantly become a a main event player like obviously the name is is has helped him to a, a point but he's backed that up yeah. with with his actions as well yeah definitely he um he's probably someone if we went back probably like five or six years ago we probably both say that we'd never see aj styles in wwe yeah like he's always going to be like an indie guy and he was so predominantly like tna at the time but to see that he can prove himself in any wrestling company he goes to even in wwe just shows how uh how brilliant he is like yeah. at everything he does um yeah and like i yeah it's just like cena also gets a bad rap but he like it feels like a big match feel when he's involved yeah so to have these two just go at it and like it didn't matter that cena won in the end it was just it just, was just a brilliant match yeah, no, I get, I, I totally agree with that, and I think, as I mentioned, seen a, I think recently he has kind of, phoned it in a little bit, but this was this was him, making a point and making a stand, saying, yeah, I can I can still hang with the with the cool kids almost. Yeah, and also like Cena, like let's be honest, Cena hasn't had that many good matches this year, but the ones that he, the ones that I were good matches this year involved him and AJ Styles so that just shows like how brilliant he can be yeah cool right well my number two is one that um I was actually there live so you may not necessarily seen it or potentially have heard about it being mentioned but it was just the build of it was incredible and the match was uh Tomohiro Ishii against Keith Lee at Revolution Pro's Global Wars. Um, mm. Keith Lee has been one of the wrestlers that was on my checklist of this year to see. And every time that he'd come over to the UK up until this point, I'd missed. And it was bumming me out because he'd been against some really, really high caliber people. Um, I bought tickets to Global Wars and then this match was announced. And I was like, this is going to be insane because... As we've already mentioned, Ishii is a pit bull who takes no shit. Keith Lee is like the immovable object to an extent, but also extremely athletic for his size. Um, And these guys just... It was the perfect Hoss match, as much as I hate to use that word. Like, just two guys chopping each other... Like it was a really kind of slow build, like who could kind of get the upper hand of strength, and then all of a sudden the pace of the match just turned, and both guys just went full tilt. Like the story of it was Ishii kind of repeatedly going for the brainbuster, but obviously of Keith Lee's size, couldn't pick him up at all. And then it just kept going on and Ishii was breaking him down, breaking him down, breaking him down. And then when he finally hit that brainbuster, the crowd just absolutely lost its shit. Like, 
I've never like heard a pop like that live. It was ridiculous. And then from then, it was just sort of Ishii on fire, like hitting the running clothesline, hitting the forearm, um, and getting the win. And it was just I've never. Been, I think what made it better was the fact that I was there because I have since watched it back and I, it was still a really good match, but I didn't get the same feeling as like the the energy in, in that room at that moment so that's why i've ranked it so high because i was there and it was something that i experienced if that makes sense yeah was that a, um where was that at Revelation uh, pro yeah so it was york hall yeah because uh, i've seen a lot of people that went to that show and have put that on their top five like lists of the year yeah and um i think probably if you're going for an mvp of uh, 2017 will probably be him, uh, Keith Lee. Because, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have also said that his PWG match with Donovan Dijak was amazing. Yeah. Which I haven't been able to see, but uh, yeah, he's just he's huge as well. Yeah, he's massive. Like you don't appreciate until you see him how big he is, and the fact that like some of the stuff he can do, like he does like second rope moonsaults, like topes and things like that and you think a guy that size should not be leaving the ground that like that and it's it's just incredible like he's called limitless for a reason basically and (laughs) as cheesy as as it sounds like i don't know if he does it himself but his entrance music is the most catchy entrance music i've ever heard and like after that weekend of because it was over to, uh, the no, it was over Thursday and Friday, um, and he was on both shows. But after that, like I literally just had his theme song in my head for the rest of that weekend. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, oh, so we're um, we're reaching the the climax. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a wild guess, but I think our number ones might be the same. But um, I'm gonna let you go go first, Maz. Okay. Well, my Number one isn't technically one match. Oh, okay. Mine... Then, then our number ones are not the same. <laughs> no, they're not probably because you already mentioned one of those matches in your list. But uh, I basically put three matches, which was the Okada Omega trilogy, into one uh, point. And the reason why is because I found it so difficult to decide between each one of those matches that I feel like the trilogy as a whole was my favourite of the year. Right, okay. Um, you know, like, I think it's... 2017 is going to be a weird... Well, was a weird year for wrestling because at the start of the year, everyone had a bar that had been set by Okada and Omega. Yeah. And, like, basically, I mean, even some of the promos that Omega was doing, like, during the year was, like, no one can touch me. Like, I am the best wrestler in the world you know we are putting on the best wrestling in the world in the company that i am in and it it just shows as well like we've like i mean obviously like with Meltzer giving it uh, six stars or whatever it may be that kind of pissed a lot of people off uh but obviously it's a subjective star rating so yeah. it doesn't even matter but it it gave a lot of focus to that type of wrestling that people have gone, oh, wow, if he likes it this much, it must be pretty good. And um, I am very curious to see what happens in 2018 as far as both Okada and Omega go because uh, what's quite funny about 
Okada was, he actually did wrestle in America. He wrestled in TNA for a bit. Uh, oh, God, like, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, he did, which, is, which kind of blows like loads of smocks' minds a lot because, you know, the fact that this guy who may be the best wrestler in the world was in TNA and he was like just like a manager. Yeah, basically. I forgot about uh, that. Yeah, and uh, I believe Tanahashi was in TNA for a bit as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, the fact that he may be the best wrestler in the world, Omega has obviously got a lot of hype right now, is um, they're really fascinating to watch because I, I don't know about you, but the first time I heard about Ken Omega was uh, he was in Battle of Los Angeles in 2013, uh, I think. Yeah. Or 14. And like even then, just watching him wrestle, I knew nothing about him, absolutely nothing about him, and just seeing him during the tournament, uh, he was such a really fascinating uh, character. He's really charismatic in a really weird way, um, and just to see where he is now compared to what he was doing then, the stuff he was in in, in DDT and things like that. Obviously, he did the blow up doll and you know wrestling the nine-year-old girl he's just had such a really weird career yeah such a weird career uh so basically i've chosen the trilogy as a whole as my number one well as i know we've kind of mentioned obviously why i enjoyed the trilogy as well but i just want to touch on your point about obviously where kenny is at the moment and, and okada but my kind of first introduction with him was that ddt match with the nine-year-old girl Oh, really? and, and I was sort of like I didn't really know who he was but I was sort of like okay like this is kind of cool but I didn't really like it wasn't my kind of thing at all and then I didn't really see him again until uh, not this year's Wrestle Kingdom but last uh, where he was oh it was the Intercontinental title wasn't it yes and then yeah, and then obviously the cleaner yeah, and then obviously there was the heel turn on AJ at New Year's Dash. Yeah. And then literally, I think a few months later, he got announced that he was coming over to the UK for uh, a company that run in Swindon called 4FW. And right. I was like, I need to go kind of thing. And this was obviously a, this is a year ago. Um, and he wrestled Mark Caskins. And literally like that was one of the best matches i'd saw that year and it was just ridiculous and then for him to even elevate himself even higher is just incredible to see like because like there's some of the stuff that these two did in in these three matches like wasn't easy on their bodies like the the table spot in the first match where kenny just basically essentially breaks his back um the tiger I, suplex off the top rope. Yeah, I think oh, the oh. in the third match, I think Okada was injured and still carried on wrestling. And it's like you've got to give like credit where credit's due, kind of thing, um, with both of these guys. And I think I think in a in sort of five ten years time, this is definitely going to be a series of matches that people kind of go back on and be like yeah that's that's the point where things changed because as you say like that first match basically set the bar throughout the year and then because obviously everybody wanted the rematch immediately 
got it at Domination and they did a completely different match. And then again, at, um, during the G1, they obviously did the, the, the rubber match. Yeah. And again, a completely different style of match. And it like was the perfect ending because it was non-title and Kenny finally hit the one-winged angel. And it shows how protected that move is within New Japan. It's just... So I think that's something that New Japan do like incredibly well is as well as building characters they build moves like yeah, they protect moves a lot yeah like okay like Okada hits the Rainmaker a lot but you know when that camera pans out that's going to be the one kind of thing like this is going to yeah. be a big Rainmaker sort of thing so the, I think that obviously that they've kind of separated now and gone on on different paths and as you say that i think new japan have kind of seen that the kenny's there they're in with the american audience and obviously him going against jericho at wrestle kingdom next year is going to be very interesting to see where where that goes but i'm i'm interested to get your opinion on, the, on this man so okada's been the champ for obviously over i think it's over a year and a half now he's been a the champ for a very long time um naito is on fire in new japan so who do you think is going to win at wrestle kingdom uh well yeah this is the thing because i i haven't really been following new japan very closely i've obviously seen the right i've seen the rise of naito like he is he's one of my favorite characters in new japan yeah, same. at the moment um i think what they might do is what they did Maybe when I started, so the first Wrestle Kingdom I watched was Tanahashi versus Okada. Yeah. And Okada tried his damnedest to beat him, and he just couldn't. And uh, Tanahashi did a promo after the match saying, "Like, you you'll never be able to beat me. I've like established myself as like the, you know, the main guy in this company." Blah blah. And he's like, Okada's like crying and stuff, and he leaves. Which this then led on to the next Wrestle Kingdom, which Okada finally beat um, Tanahashi to win the championship after a year build. So what I think they might do is they might say they might try to establish Okada as like what Tanahashi was to him. Yeah. With Naito, because I think Naito had quite a rough start uh, as like establishing himself. And when he, uh, joined the faction that he was involved with i can never pronounce it los ingobernables yeah, yeah yeah exactly um i think this match that they they will have okada will win yeah but i feel like naito will prove himself later on in 2018 and then will because i as much as he is like kind of over i don't know if he's over enough to take the weight of the company so to speak right yeah i, still I get think, that because i still think okada is their cena to an, to an extent or yeah to make a lazy analogy <laughs> no i get that that's cool well yeah um when i thought our other ones were going to be the same they are very very different because uh my favorite match of 2017 was at uh nxt war games and it was alistair black against the velveteen dream um, yes, I've spoken extensively on this podcast of my love for Alistair Black slash Tommy End. Um, so there's a 
incy bit of bias going into this, but the thing that got me was that Dream was the standout in this match. Like, for all the experience that Alistair has and the way that they told this story, Velveteen Dream came out of this match looking like an absolute superstar. And I haven't seen that in a match in a very long time. And I think that's why it it kind of resonated with me a lot more because I got into wrestling when I was younger for the stories. And I st- like that's still what keeps me going back. Like, okay, the standard of matches now is a lot higher and a lot, a lot better, but I still want there to be a comprehensive story as to why these two people are in the ring. And... I can't remember who who said it, but I I heard it on a podcast. But just the simple fact of him not saying Velveteen Dream's name as a storyline was like lightning in a bottle moment kind of thing because it it linked perfectly to both their characters and the the match itself was was really good. The build up to like the promo package obviously some summed it up, but some of the spots like the the bit where Velveteen Dream just all of a sudden appeared behind Alistair Black in the attack, in the lead-up to to the takeover was really good. Um, and then if, if we get into the match itself, there was some of the spots were ridiculous. Like There was that weird kind of hammerlock sort of spinning DDT that Dream did that looked so uncomfortable, but at the same time really, really cool. Um, the the part where they mirrored each other, like doing their taunts. I know the camera kind of cut away a little bit, but from the pop of the crowd, like it was obvious what had happened. Um, Dreams tights were just <laughs> incredible. Um, so yeah, I I absolutely adore this match, and I think it was for for this to be a match in 2017, kind of summed up what I want in wrestling, and it was nice that it was happening in this modern environment. Yeah, well, uh, before Tim asked me to make my list of favourite matches, he like I did a top ten, and this was in my top ten. But then we did our top five, so this was I did like this match a lot. I just want to clarify that. <laughs> yeah. I love this match. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think the story, like think about it. You know, they were in production and going right. Okay, we're going to do Alistair Black versus Velveteen Dream, like. I think a lot of people would probably shake their head at that and think, oh, these two characters would never, you know, see each other or blah, blah, blah. But the, it just goes to show how good they can creatively write characters into feuds on yeah. NXT by having these two very different characters uh, have a conflict. And the story going into it, I've, I'll be honest, like, there hasn't been another rivalry... I think within 2017 that I was more captivated with the match for yeah which was these two guys um obviously Velveteen Dream I just thought was you know a sort of uh performance center just like oh we've got this guy from outside the company let's put a gimmick on and see what happens but he has really proven himself especially in this match uh, I thought the match was it was the best it was the best match of this card yeah. uh, of War Games definitely um, Alistair gave like I'll be honest like 
Alistair, I felt, had like 80% of the match, and then Dream only had like 20%. Like, he got some good moves out of it, but I think that was probably the story that they were telling, was that you can't out-wrestle Alistair Black, but he still wanted to prove himself to him, Uh, you know, which was the case of the Rick Rude tights and, you know, playing mind games with him and things like that. Um, You know, the crowd was so... They were behind Velvet, which is weird, kind of the quote-unquote heel in this feed, which was amazing. I love how wrestling has evolved so much now in this year that, you know, you don't really have... You don't get behind the face just because there's a heel. There's these two characters, and they're telling a very different story. And uh, the, the Velveteen Dream here is... He wants to prove himself as an established person in NXT, and the only way for him to do that is to try and outbeat uh, Alistair Black. And you know, I just thought they they told a really compelling story. And if they carried on doing stories like this, I I mean, it would be must see TV for me. Yeah, and I think the the kind of ending was was perfect with the the whole enjoy your infamy line for, from Alistair like he finally said his name but it was kind of a a, yeah. a tongue in cheek compliment almost so and because yeah, it gets over it doesn't get over Velveteen it gets over Black as well because Black is seen more dominant here as well like he has to get him to say his name just to get recognised so like that shows Black in such a larger way as well yeah yeah but um, the one last thing I, sh- I wanted to to mention as well that that I think since this match because Velveteen hasn't been on on TV since I think he's he's been injured um, or they've just done it very cleverly that they're giving him the time away and then potentially revisit this some point down the line potentially in the in the run up to the takeover heading to to WrestleMania so I think that there's there's still scope for for a part two. That's and that's what I'm I'm really hoping for. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. Well, there are our top fives. Maz, thank you very much for for sharing your thoughts with me. Um, before I let you go, uh, as we've mentioned on this podcast before, both me and Maz are part of a a wrestling Facebook group, and every year uh, when it comes to that round to Royal Rumble season, Maz very kindly gives up his time and organises a sweepstake for us for the Royal Rumble uh, but obviously announced this year we have two Royal Rumbles in uh, women's and a men's so as the the kind of keeper of the sweepstake uh, Maz I'm going to ask you quickly to give your predictions who you think is going to win uh, the men's and women's Royal Rumble this year uh, so the men's is going to be Nakamura okay uh, yeah uh, and then the women's is going to be uh, Asuka. Yeah, all right. I, w- I was going Asuka with the women's. I was Nakamura is an interesting choice. I I think it's part of me wants it to be the Miz, but I don't think mm. it will be. Uh, I, uh, the Miz would be cool. The Miz would be cool, but I think they are set in stone that it's going to be Reigns. Brock. 
for WrestleMania. Yeah. And obviously Miz is a Raw guy, right? Yeah. So I think what they'll try and establish is someone to challenge for the WWE title, which would be AJ Styles. So yeah. That make, that's yeah. why I think Nakamura and because one of the uh, one of the matches that I chose because just to bear in mind. Tim asked me to do a top 10 list. I did 20. <laughs> and one of my 20 was the Elimination Chamber. No, uh, sorry, TLC match where they teased Nakamura and Styles. And it got a huge pop from the crowd. Yeah. So I think what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and build that for WrestleMania, WrestleMania maybe. Yeah, no, that's that's a very good shout. Um, so, yeah, that's our 2017 wrapped up. I'm sure 2018 is going to be as crazy as as always when it comes to wrestling, especially WWE. Um, Maz, if I don't speak to you before, I'm sure I'll speak to you at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, absolutely. If you uh, want to join the wrestling group, you can be a part of our Royal Rumble poll that we're going to do. We're going to do two polls, I believe, for the women's and men's. Um, and... Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm I'm very very excited to see what happens. Cool, but yeah, Maz, thanks again for joining me, and I've yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, man, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. No worries, dude. Take it easy. All right, you too, man. See Cheers. You later. Bye. So there we have it, folks. Those were our top five wrestling matches of 2017. Um, I'm, and I'm sure 2018 is just going to offer up just as much craziness throughout the world of wrestling, whether that be WWE, New Japan, independent wrestling around the world. Um, the, the amount of talent that's coming up at the moment is incredible. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing what happens in 2018. Um, as Maz mentioned, uh, you can get involved in our little wrestling royal rumble sweepstake that we do in our wrestling group uh i'll put the link in the description of this episode if you do wish to join that um i'm not sure when maz is planning on doing it but it usually kind of rolls out the week or so before and obviously this year we've got two royal rumbles so two chances of winning um that's pretty much it for this week uh gonna start back up with the interviews uh for next week i've got the awesome knocked loose who i had the chance to speak to when they were over here touring with every time i die so great way to kickstart 2018 on that point um then just gonna kind of be planning sort of the early parts of 2018 like see what guests i can get um as i've mentioned before want to kind of take this in a bit of a different direction have a bit more of a one-to-one base with with some people if i can obviously still keep the band stuff as well still keep the wrestling reviews as well um but as yet, things aren't 100% set in stone, who's coming when kind of thing. So there might be a bit of a gap to begin with at the beginning of the year. But once I've got things set in stone, we'll we'll get the ball rolling again. Um, if there's anyone that you want to hear on the show, then please hit, hit us up. Let me know who you'd like to hear. Um, as I mentioned, on, we're on Twitter, at just underscore and underscore insight. Or if you want to be on the show and want to drop us an email... Uh, we're just underscore and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk again put these in the description of the episode Um, but for now ladies and gentlemen happy new year happy 2018 and i will see you soon